You want to get a hold of us uh, today for the next hour. Savannah is here. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And anytime, Savannah's number is 416-216-5910. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you, John? Beautiful. We always uh, start the show with the uh, the week that was. You got a case for us. Absolutely. Yep. This is a very interesting case, and it's it's this is a, a common mistake that I see a lot of lawyers make, especially when I used to work for insurance companies. Uh, this is this is actually a, a tragic case. It's a gentleman who called me uh, this past week. He's been listening to the show several weeks now. Uh, and uh, he, he actually had a lawyer. He had an accident that happened uh, in March 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, was, it was a car accident. He was re-rendered. He suffered back pain, neck pain. He's 37 years old. Uh, he's a plumber. Now, uh, other than the back and neck pain, he also tore his left meniscus in his knee. Okay, and uh, there, there was indication that he may need surgery in the future, that he's going to have issues there. Uh, so, you know, he, he went to a lawyer, and the lawyer started the claim for him. And uh, about a month ago, he settled his case. The problem with the settlement is that he only got compensated for the pain and suffering aspect of the claim. So just a fraction. Just a fraction, wow. as well as any past loss of income. Now, I said before, he's a plumber. Uh, he, he, he wasn't working for about seven months. He came back to work full-time. But here's the kicker, John. Uh, this guy was making about $10,000 a year just in overtime. And when he came back seven months after the accident to full-time duties, that's all he could bear. That's all he could do. He wasn't able to continue working that sure. overtime. So then he's effectively losing about $10,000 every year. So do the math. He's 37 years old. He's making $10,000 a year in overtime. Uh, he hasn't been able to do that. And his doctors are actually indicating that with that knee injury, because of, of how it happened and because of what's going on with mm-hmm. his other pains, he's going to have issues in the future yeah, doing sure. that overtime and may even have to retire early. That was actually some of the opinions that he got, that the lawyer got. Well, guess what? This case was settled for $100,000 and he had signed a release. But because he listened to the show, he wanted to call me just to find out, you know, did I do the right Can thing? backtrack? And I said, listen, let me just break it down for you. Just common sense, okay? Pain and suffering, we talked about that before, John. How much can we assess that for a torn meniscus, back pain, neck pain? I'd probably assess it at about fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 just for the pain and okay. suffering component. But, you know, tack on to that the, the past loss of income, right? He wasn't working for seven months. He was get, getting some income replacement benefits, but nothing close to his, his actual income. That'll max out at 400 Exactly, uh, yeah, 400 bucks a week. A week. Yeah. Exactly. He was making a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And, and, but, 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 you know, what, what about the future rehab he's going to need, uh, you know, for his knee? If he's going to have future surgeries, for example, what about if he's going to need a, a future a chiro, physio? He doesn't have those benefits at work. But more importantly is that overtime he's not going to lose. So do the math. He's 37 years old. Assume for a second that he would work until age 65, okay? $10,000 a year. That's 28 years. That's not 30 years. 28 years at 10000 a year. Just that alone is $280,000. Now, listen, we're always taking – in these kinds of cases, we always look at contingencies, right? It's not going to be a straightforward $10,000 a year going forward. Sure. But to settle a claim like this for $100,000, I-, I tell you right now, this case should not have been settled for less than three hundred, four hundred dollars 400 max. Wow. Uh, sorry, minimum. Uh, so, so again, you know, I, I had to tell the guy, you signed the release. There's nothing really you can do at this point. Uh, the case is over. And, and that, that was a tragedy of it, that this was money that belonged to him and his family. This is money that would have compensated him uh, uh, appropriately for the injuries he suffered. So it's really, really crucial that, you know, when you have a lawyer, you make sure that when the lawyer presents a settlement offer to you for your injuries, that you ask exactly what is the breakdown. How did they arrive at the number? 
It, this, there's no magic to it, okay? It, we talked about the various heads of damage that you're entitled mm-hmm. to when you're injured. There's pain and suffering. There is care, rehab, uh, 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 chiropractic care, massage, all that kind of stuff. There's housekeeping that you potentially may need. Like, let's say you have this kind of an injury and you now can't shovel the snow. Well, you're going to have to hire someone to do that for you. Well, for how long are you going to need that someone? Again, that has to be taken into account. Uh, What about the income? What about if now you have issues at work? What if you can't work? What if you can work the exact same way you did before, except that your employer is just accommodating but if you were to lose your job, you would be less competitive in your workplace right. or, or in competing f- for the same type of job on the marketplace. Well, you have to account for that. And if you don't account for that, if l- your lawyer doesn't account for that, then you've been disadvantaged. You effectively got you know, a certain percentage off of, of whatever settlement you should have gotten. I think people just don't know and all of a sudden they say, wow, 100000 bucks. That sounds like a big chunk of change. I'm it taking does. it, right? That's right, they exactly. But in it. comparison to what it should be, it's, it's a fraction. A fraction. Yeah. We'll take a short break. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. you got questions for Savan or uh, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to an email next right here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk Radio, AM 640. And Savan's number anytime, 416-216-5910, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I want to bounce over to an email uh, right away. This comes in from Mike in Toronto. Just emailed him a short time ago. says, I fell in a parking lot last December, so a short time ago. Landed on my right knee, went to the hospital. They did x-rays, showed that I have a chipped part of the bone. The doctors told me that it'll, uh, it'll be a while before I can bear any weight. He's in the construction business, so it's a problem. says he's 48 years old, called a lawyer in Barrie who said that uh, we should wait before starting a claim to see how long I'll be off work. Now, he said he's heard you in the past couple of months repeat over and over again that uh, it, it's important to start claims like this immediately. Why so? Right. Okay, so I, I can't emphasize this enough. A lot of lawyers end up waiting way too long to start claims. And, and really, the question of why, and I've been asked that many, many times by, by people who've consulted other lawyers, the, the only explanation I can give you is that it's a, it's a habit. Uh, lawyers are creatures of habit. They're human beings. And, and what happens is a lot of lawyers want to take a a wait-and-see approach. They want to see if you recover. They want to see if it's going to be worthwhile for them to even start the claim. Because at the end of the day, the reality is that if you've suffered an injury and within a week, two weeks, a month, you're all better, you're 100% okay, a lot of lawyers will simply say it's just not worthwhile for us because we're not looking at more than a few hundred bucks, a few thousand dollars maximum as compensation uh, You know, if we hit a home run. But, you know, this, from what I understand here from Mike, this is, this is a different thing altogether. I mean, he chipped his knee. And, and I, I, I don't know yet, uh, you know, at this point from the email, what exactly the, 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 the part of the knee is that he chipped or what the doctors have said about prognosis. But listen, he's in construction. It's a very heavy physical uh, work environment, 48 years old. I would not be taking a wait-and-see approach on this. I'd be starting a claim immediately. In fact, the lawyer should have told them, first of all, we're going to start the claim right now. Uh, we're going to immediately put uh, the, the, the place, the parking lot owner uh, that was responsible for, for the injury on notice, have their insurance company contact me immediately. Let's get them to start their investigation. And, and here's the reason why. The sooner you tell the insurance company or, or the owner of a property uh, that this happened, this kind of an accident, the sooner they tell their insurance companies, the sooner the insurance company then puts the reserves aside for a potential resolution in the future. Oh, okay. So the longer you wait, the longer it's going to take to resolve the claim. If you've waited a year to start a process, a claims process, you've just lost a year. Now, again, I'm not saying that in every case you start a claim immediately. You don't. 
my point is that in every case, you've got to look at the facts of that case. You have to uh, uh, um, you know, figure out what is the best strategy for that particular case, and that's it. There is no uh, you know, one single approach, and, and a lot of lawyers end up taking that kind of a, of a view with cases. You know, they say, we have so many cases on the go. Uh, I have limited staff, so I'm going to get to your case in a year from now, a year and a half, after I see if your injuries are really serious. Well, the problem with that approach is that for this one year, year and a half, you're the one who's suffering. Your family's suffering. Maybe you can't work. Maybe you can't provide, uh, you know, for your family. You're going to lose your house. It's just, it's crazy. So there's no reason. So Mike, give me a call. You know, I'll be able to tell you immediately if we need to wait a little bit or not. From what you're describing in your email, you should not be waiting. Uh, you know, whoever, whichever lawyer you hire uh, should put that uh, that owner of the property on notice immediately and start engaging the insurance company in discussions now. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. got Beth from Barry. We'll get to one more email before we uh, take a short break. Says, my son was in a car accident last year, and he hasn't been the same since. He has difficulty concentrating, sleeping, and focusing on his college courses. He used to be an A student, and after the accident, his grades have been very bad. College knows about the accident. The lawyer he has isn't doing anything and said that we have to wait and see. <laughs> there we go. Wait and see if he gets better. Uh, very concerned, especially after hearing you talk about brain injuries. What can I do to help him? Okay, well, I'm very concerned about that as well because when I hear of, uh, of a young person uh, who was doing very well at school and had an accident and I was exhibiting certain symptoms which suggest that there is a cognitive impairment, that there is an injury to the brain, and the lawyer's not doing anything, at least not engaging the doctors or, or, you know, that nothing's happening, very, very concerning. Listen, at the end of the day, as a lawyer, I'm not a doctor. I can only tell the person what they can do from a legal standpoint. And in this case, again, I'm not waiting. In a case where we're dealing with a potential brain injury, I'm going to be very, very proactive. The, the person has to be taken care of. You can't just say, you know, to the individual, to the, to the family member, uh, sorry, to the family, you know, you're on your own, deal with your doctors. At the end of the day, a lot of doctors, family doctors, as, as, as good as they are and, and as much as they try to help, they're busy too. So, so people fall through the cracks. Things fall through the cracks. In this kind of a situation, I, I, I would tell Beth to make sure that her son is referred to, to uh, you know, perhaps the brain injury clinic in Sunnybrook. Just get a referral. Get, get him tested. Uh, you know, symptoms of brain injury, even mild brain injury, uh, in, include uh, headaches, dizziness, blurry vision, nausea, vomiting, ringing in the ears. All of these kinds of things, you know, f- lack of focus, concentration, these may indicate some kind of a brain injury. And these things have to be taken care of now. If the doctors don't take care of these things, of, of these symptoms, of the injury itself, if it's not diagnosed properly, you're going to be left with, with potentially residual symptoms for the rest of your life. And so just imagine what that's going to do to this young person. So no, in this case, Beth, uh, your lawyer should not be waiting. Your lawyer actually should be in contact with the family doctor and any other treating specialists immediately. So never mind weeks or months or any longer than that. What should an injured person do immediately, immediately after the injury, say uh, like a slip and fall? Well, immediately, I always say, take care of your medical condition. So, you know, if you need to go to the doctor, obviously, make sure you go to the hospital, walking clinic. You know, John, believe it or not, I have a lot of people contacting me who say, well, I try to make an appointment with my family doctor after my car accident, slip and fall. Right. And, and, you know, my doctor was on vacation or the waiting was, was too long. So I went to see them, you know, a week later, two weeks later. No, don't do that. Not just from a legal standpoint. I mean, listen, from a legal standpoint, think about it this way. If you are the insurance company and you're seeing a claim coming across your desk, you're, you're the adjuster, and you're seeing that this person's saying that they have these injuries, but they haven't seen any doctor for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, 
what are you thinking? You're thinking, well, obviously it's not that urgent. Obviously it's not that important, uh, you know, that you have to see a doctor. And the reality is that people are busy, and a lot of times people hope that these symptoms are going to go away. So always make sure you get medical attention, but always contact uh, uh, someone in the legal profession, a personal injury lawyer, a, an insurance lawyer, someone who deals yeah. with these kinds of injuries so we can guide you. A lot of times you'll be able to get compensation very quickly, you know, v- very quickly with, uh, you know, w- 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 within months potentially. Mm-hmm. In fact, there is a provision in the Insurance Act, John, uh, that, that allows uh, in some instances in car accidents to get advance payments from insurance companies of the at-fault parties. So if you were injured in an accident and, and you know, you've suffered uh, a serious injury, potentially you could get advance payments from the insurance company of whoever was responsible and for the And this isn't the 400 bucks a week you're talking about? This no, is no, no, no. This oh, is something wow. completely different. Okay. Yeah, it's not in every case. And, and a lot of times insurance companies don't want to pay that. But, you know, again, you need a lawyer that's going to be advocating on your behalf it, from every angle. Okay, no two cases are the same. It's just the reality of this practice. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We'll get your phone calls. Give us a call. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email for this afternoon. And you can always contact Savannah after show hours at 416-216-5910. More of the insurance and injury law show on the way on Talk Radio AM 640. Give us a call. Send us an email. We'll, uh, we'll get to it. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. But uh, over the phones, as always, James up on Highway 89. Hi, James. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for uh, for having me. My question was around at what point do we contact a lawyer as opposed to trusting our insurance company to to treat us fairly? Good call. It, yeah, it, that's a very good question. And, and again, every case is is, uh, is specific on its facts. Usually I tell people that, you know, in these kinds of situations where you're in an accident, whether it's a car accident, slip and fall, wh- whatnot, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to call a lawyer immediately after you've sought medical attention and contacted your insurance company. So I'm saying within a few days, if only to understand what your rights and obligations are. That's all. It won't cost you anything to speak with that lawyer. Uh, it certainly doesn't cost anything to speak with me or anybody in my team. But, you know, some people end up waiting and, and they wait too long and, and certain things get missed along the way. So, you know, my, my, my thought process is very simple. If you're not paying for this advice, why not just get it? What do you have to lose? Is all legal advice free? Uh, legal advice that has to do with car accidents and slip and falls, personal injury in general, yes. Generally speaking, it's free. In fact, it's very rare for me to uh, to come across someone, a lawyer or somebody who's spoken with a lawyer, uh, who was told that you know you have to uh, you have to pay for my time. It has happened. I've seen that before. But generally speaking, in personal injury matters, usually you get the free advice. The problem is this. Not, not all advice is equal, and it depends on who you speak mm-hmm. with. And, and so, you know, one of the issues are, are you speaking with a lawyer? Or are you speaking with, with you know, a sort of a, someone else on the team? Are you getting all the advice that you should be getting? It's like going to a doctor, you know, and different doctors treat you differently. Uh, they, they, they look at your situation, and, and, you know, not all doctors are equal, not, not all lawyers are equal. So at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's the answer to that. Has it been your experience that insurance companies... Are, are not, I guess, as efficient or, uh, I guess, as, as good at handling claims as, as they should be, and that's why legal advice is required? Well, first of all, we have to, I think, break it down. Uh, which, which context are you talking about? In a car accident context, you can have your own insurance company for your own accident benefits, uh, which we've talked about before, you know, income replacement and yep. things like that. Uh, but you can also have the insurance companies for, uh, for whoever was at fault for the accident contacting you. Well, you know, if that insurance company contacts you, they're adverse in interest to you. They're not interested in paying you anything. So they're trying to do damage control. 
And, and you know, the reality is even your insurance company is always in damage control mode. In fact, they're always in a conflict with you because on the one hand, they have an obligation to pay you what you're owed under the insurance policy. And that's not just car insurance. That's home insurance. That's travel insurance. That's any of that. On the one hand, they have to pay you under the policy. On the other hand, they don't want to pay you. I mean, the adjusters really a lot of times look for every which way to deny your claim. I think a lot of our listeners, John, are, you know, they, they experience that on a daily basis. So at the end of the day, you're always facing on the other side someone who is, uh, you know, they may be speaking nicely to you and they may want to, it appears like, you know, like they want to help you, but they're there to really protect the insurance company's interests. I mean, it's a business. They're, they're trying to get out of this, you know, spending as few shackles as possible. It's exactly right? how it is. Exactly. You know I, mean? I mean, again, we spoke about this, and I'm not faulting insurance companies for that. It's just yep. the way our system is built. The, the, the paradigm, the, 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 uh, the structure is very simple. Uh, we, we, we like to collect premiums, and we want to pay as little as possible sure. and the least amount of claims as we need to. So what if a person is, uh, you know, they're not getting better. They've suffered injuries in an accident, but their doctor isn't doing much to help them. What can they do? Well, that's, that's a very big problem, and I come across that. And again, it's not because the doctor is a bad person. Uh, it's just because, for whatever reason, this doctor either disagrees with the patient, specifically that the patient is experiencing what they're experiencing, uh, or uh, the doctor just doesn't have time or whatever. So I tell people, listen, uh, find another doctor. There is no other alternative. Get, an, get a referral or go to a walk-in, go to someone else. Because at the end of the day, if your doctor is not supporting your claim or they're not playing ball, it's going to hurt your claim. It's not something insurmountable. It's not something I can't deal with. I mean, I've had to you know, move around doctors when I needed to, hire my own experts, et cetera. But, you know, that, your own doctors are the ones who are treating you. If, if, they, if they help, if, if they write, you know, the reports that we need them to write, in other words, something that, that helps explain to the insurance company what your disability is, it's, it's going to carry a lot of weight with the insurance companies. Now, that's not to say, John, that we're telling doctors what to write. It's how you frame the questions mm-hmm. to them. Because they're, they're going to write, uh, uh, you know, based on their experience as doctors, not necessarily in response to the legal questions. It's be medical jargon, if anything, right? You got it. Yeah. yeah. So other than just writing reports, what, uh, what other role do they have in a personal injury claim? Well, a lot of times they're going to be the ones who are going to, uh, you know, to send you for further testing. So, for example, I had a gentleman uh, a few weeks ago that, uh, in fact, we spoke about him actually, John. Uh, he he uh, had a shoulder injury and he came to see me after listening mm-hmm. to, to the show with his wife. And his doctor actually referred them to an MRI, to have an MRI, yep. which, which is the best exam you can have to figure out if you have an issue with your shoulder, uh, if you have a tear or anything like that. And so doctors are crucial in investigating the injury and making sure that you're seeing the specialists you need to see. You know, you know, you need to see. Yep. And the reason why that's important is, again, because the insurance companies are going to be looking at all that. You know, think about it this way. If you're an adjuster and you're looking uh, at a claim that comes across your desk and you're seeing that this person is complaining of neck pain or shoulder pain, but that person hasn't been seen by any specialist whatsoever. Just a GP. Just yeah. a GP versus another person with the exact same injuries, same, same facts, except that person was sent to a neurologist, a physiatrist, whatnot. Mm-hmm. You're going to take that other claim, the one where the person has been referred to by their own family doctor, not by the lawyer, by their own family doctor, as, a, as more of a serious claim, because obviously it seems like the doctor is concerned. Some due diligence there. Yes. Yeah. We'll take a short break. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Anytime help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to get a hold of Savan. And his own number is 416-216-5910. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to more emails in a few minutes here. Get to uh, the phones. Frank in Toronto. Hi, Frank. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Good, sir. What's up? 
what does Sylvan think of uh, Bill 15 and what the insurance companies are taking away from the, uh, the motorists? Okay, well, Frank, that's, uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, in fact, I just recently gave an interview uh, to, to a few newspapers about that. So for those of us uh, who, who don't necessarily recognize what Bill 15 is, like uh, it's, it's been on, like you, John, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's been in the news. It's the Fighting Fraud and Reducing Automobile Insurance Rates uh-huh. Act. And it's essentially an attempt by the insurance companies and the insurance company lobby uh, to reduce uh, premiums uh, by 15%. Uh, you know, over, over, over the next year or so. And, and, you know, lawyers like myself have a few problems with this bill, certainly not with the reduction of premiums. Everyone is hoping for a reduction of premiums. Uh, in fact, after 2010, the 2010 changes uh, in, in, in the legislation, uh, we, we actually saw... Uh, we saw a lot of benefits cut for people who were in, in car accidents, and lawyers like myself really have to be creative. And actually, that's more of a reason to make sure that the lawyer really knows what they're doing because we have to make sure you're properly compensated. But but this bill here has two major problems. Number one, uh, it takes away certain individuals' ability to start claims, uh, not to sorry, not to start claims, but but to advance certain claims with their own insurance companies uh, in the same way that you're able to advance that claim against whoever was at fault for the accident with that insurance company. Remember, John, you can have two types of claims in a car accident situation, mm-hmm. a claim with your own insurance company for accident benefits and then a claim with whoever was responsible for okay. the accident. And, and up until now, we were able to actually streamline the process, have one claims process along the way, whereas now we're not going to be able to do that. Again, more of a reason to make sure that the lawyer you have, the personal injury lawyer you have, really knows what they're doing to be able to fully take advantage of, of you know, any little tricks that we have to be able to counter that, uh, you know, that, that aspect of the, of the legislation. The second thing is this. When you start a personal injury claim and there is a settlement, whether it's a few months down the road, a year down the road, what the courts allow us to do is they allow us to make a claim for prejudgment interest. What does that mean? It means, John, that if you're entitled to $100,000, as an example, mm-hmm. for pain and suffering, and, and your accident was a year ago, well, there's going to be 5% tacked onto that. So then you're getting another five grand for interest because the law assumes that you would have been entitled that, to that money a year ago. Okay. okay, so it's the 5%. What insurance companies now have done with Bill 15 is they were able to introduce a reduction to that to 1.3%. So they're getting the benefit. So again, it's one of those instances where there's a lot of good things in this bill, Frank, uh, but there's a few things that are not really that good. There's always a battle between lawyers like myself and the insurance companies and the insurance company lobby. Uh, and they, of course, are a very powerful lobby, and they lobby the government uh, you know, to, to do certain things, one of which is to reduce uh, any payments that they have to make to the For ordinary sure. person. So again, what do you take away from that? You take away from that that you really have to make sure that you choose your lawyer very carefully. Because if you don't, the lawyer is just going to be, uh, uh, I mean, the lawyer is not going to be able to claim what, what, you should be able to claim for your injuries. And let's face it, on the surface, insurance companies, ah, we'll just take 15% off. Ah, we'll just lose 15% of our money. Sure, right, no problem. Would you right. take 15% off your paycheck? I wouldn't. It's going to come from somewhere. Well, of course, of course. I mean, keep right. in mind, insurance companies want to make sure that they pay uh, uh, the least amount that they have to. There's no free lunch, brother. Uh, no 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Is it Deluxe? Yep, Deluxe? Sir. How do you spell that? Have I pronounced it properly? Uh, Deluxe. Deluxe. What's your question, my friend? Uh, okay, uh, one of my friend's daddy is a delivery man working for this uh, delivery company. Yeah. And uh, he w- he was uh, delivering a parts at the car company, and while he was uh, waiting there, the forklift went th- went through his food. 
So he, his bones are broken there. So I'm just wondering if he can go for WSIB or mm. personal injury crime or I don't know. What oh. do you guys suggest? Okay, so let, let me ask you a few questions. This is very interesting because I actually have a case on the go right now uh, that yeah. is extremely similar. And, and uh, the reason why I want to ask you these questions is because in that other case that I have right now, uh, my client saw another lawyer before me who told him it was WSIB. And if it's WSIB, then, then you can't really make a claim outside of WSIB. But we recognized that we were able to make an argument that took it outside of WSIB, which means that now we're able to make a very significant claim for that person. So, so Delex, let me, let me ask you this. Your friend's father, uh, was he employed by, by the delivery company or is he a contractor? What is he? Yeah, that's the tricky part because uh, the delivery company told him to register a name as a company. So he, they pay him as a company, though. Okay, I understand that. And, and uh, does he work only for that company or does he work for any yeah, other company? He, he works for that company. He drives their vehicle. He drives their vehicle. Okay. Yeah. And, and the place where he was injured, who, who owns that? Is that just another company or is that his? It's another company. It's another company. Okay. Yeah. And he was making a delivery at that time? Right. Okay. So he was making a delivery at that time. And, and what was he doing? What happened when, when the, the, the truck or the forklift ran over his foot? Yeah, he was standing there. So this guy was reversing it and it went through his foot and broken the bones. Okay. All right. Well, Deluxe, th- there is a possibility here that uh, your friend's father actually was, uh, he was, he was certainly in the course of his employment, but there's a possibility here that he could be outside of, the, of, of WSAB. So what I suggest we do is, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot more information I actually have to get. Uh, let me speak with you or your friend's father. I- I'm not sure what the injury is. In, in, my, in my client's case, uh, because the forklift went over his foot, it actually crushed his foot. So mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure what injury your, your friend's father has. Yeah, because uh, I went to see him. That's when uh, he started telling me what happened. So, so he he couldn't even walk or nothing. So he's at the sofa. What, so I was just listening to this show. Like I'm a regular listener. So, so when was, did this uh, happen? This happened uh, two three days ago. Oh. Two two three days ago. Okay. Did, yeah. I'm assuming he went to the hospital. Uh, he didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't go to emergency. He went to his family doctor. Okay. What did the family doctor say? Uh, they they told him. Well, I think he's gonna do MRI or they going some specialist. Okay. Next week or yeah. Okay. How old is he? Uh, he's around in his, uh, I think, 50s. In his 50s. All right. And, and of course, it's his own company uh, as it's registered. Uh, is he? Uh, is he getting anything from from the company that's employing him or that's sending him work? Are they paying him for the fact that he can't work? Uh, no. Uh, at this moment, no. Okay, Deluxe, it's, it's really important that I speak with him or that he speaks with a personal injury lawyer right away. Um, mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Uh, don't go through WSAB, okay? okay. This, is, this is one of those cases where uh, you can potentially uh, um, go outside of WSAB. And I always tell listeners, John, that if you're in a situation where you, you can elect uh, in terms of getting benefits through WSAB or start a claim outside of, w- of WSAB, do it. You, you, yeah, you go outside because the, okay. the, the whatever you can get through workers' comp is very, very limited, okay. and it's not going to compensate you for the for the future losses you may have. Okay. So, Deluxe, give me a call uh, after the show, or I'll give you a call. It doesn't really matter, and, and I can give you a lot more information. Uh, so, at the very least, your friend's father is going to know all the options available mm-hmm. to him. Which he should. That number, Deluxe, is four one six two one six fifty nine ten. Four one six two one six fifty nine ten. 
and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Take a short break. More of your calls, more emails, and more uh, excellent information right here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up on Talk Radio AM 640. You can email Savannah as well. That's help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, and his number is 416-216-5910. Got uh, Mike from Mississauga on the line. Hi, Mike. Hi. Good Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, just uh, listening to the show, and I'm wondering, uh, Savan, if you could explain uh, what, um, you know, let's say your wife is injured in an accident. You're not, I'm not a part of the accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of compensation are spouses entitled to as, as part of hmm. uh, insurance benefits or anything like that? Okay, so very, very good question, and it's a question that comes up uh, quite frequently, actually, uh, in all variety of injuries. Um, whenever, whenever we start a claim for an injured individual, whether it's the husband, wife, son, daughter, whatever it is, a lot of times, as most people who know someone who is injured know, uh, you know, it doesn't just affect that person. It affects the entire family. And, and you know, virtually in every case that I handle, that comes up. And, and so the question is then, well, listen, what if I have to do more shopping? What, what if I have to clean the house more? What if I have to stay at home? I can't work or I have to take less shifts. Can I get compensated for all of that? You know, and, and the answer is it depends, but yes. So, so when, I say, when I say it depends, what I mean is that you are allowed under the legislation to advance a claim alongside the injured spouse's claim. And, and that that right for for those of us who are interested in the in the law is is under the Family Law Act. So if you go to Google and you type in Family Law Act Ontario, go to section sixty one, uh, sub one and sub two, you're actually going to see a subheading there that says damages in case of injury, and they actually list everything that you as the spouse are entitled to recover. So for example, so, uh, just top of my head, section 61, sub 2, sub, sub D. I remember that, John, because I have a case right now where okay. I'm dealing with a very large claim on that front. Actually says that the spouse uh, you know, can claim or the family member can claim for nursing, housekeeping, or other services for that person. So, for example, if you have to take care of, of your wife, uh, you know, doing certain things around the home, helping her bathe, whatever it is, you are entitled to compensation for that. Now, how do we advance that and how do we calculate that? That's when we engage certain experts to to tell us what are the market rates, uh, what would it cost to actually hire someone to do something like this. And and again, you know, one of the problems with these kinds of of derivative claims, as we call them, so they're derivative of the main uh, claim for the injured person, is that insurance companies a lot of times don't take it seriously. And they don't take it seriously because a lot of personal injury lawyers simply uh, advance that kind of a derivative claim, but they don't build it. And when I say build it, I mean I'm going to hire certain experts who are going to give me expert opinions, who are going to identify everything that that you have done for your spouse. What's that going to cost in the long term? We we give that then to an accountant. We generate a report. Well, guess what? Then the insurance company has to deal with this. They can't simply just uh, 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 shuffle it off. They can't say, oh, that's not real. No, it is real. And you're going to have to pay for that person uh, who's been affected, not just the injured individual. Okay, what about in the situation of uh, if, you know, I've incurred medical expenses uh, as a result of my wife's injury? Is that reimbursable to me? What kind of medical expenses? Uh, well, um, essentially, um, you know, stress-related psychological expenses, uh, consulting with psychologists. Well, you know, that's, uh, that's a very interesting question. And, and uh, in your case, in... in, in the answer is that I would be advancing that. The, the Family Law Act that I just uh, referred to doesn't actually deal with that. But guess what? If you are actually injured in a certain way, psychologically, emotionally, etc., 
uh, and you need medical help, yes, I would actually be advancing that as, as an out-of-pocket expense. Okay. And, and that, that's something, again, that insurance companies are going to be fighting, but that's okay. They fight over everything. <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, the key, the key thing is to advance these claims because, you know, at the end of the day, even, even if, if, you know, they resist it, when you go in front of a third party, whether it's a judge or a mediator to try and resolve the claim, uh, you know, if, if it's legitimate, if you have the expenses, then why shouldn't it be recoverable? Because, look, the argument is if the accident hadn't occurred, you would not be in that situation. You would not have incurred that expense. So, Correct. therefore, if someone else was responsible for, for the accident, why shouldn't their insurance company compensate you for the out-of-pockets that you're now, uh, you know, th- th- that you've incurred because you've been affected uh, because of your wife's injury? Okay, thank you. And that's on advanced under the Family Law Act claim? The Family Law Act, unless you're injured yourself, in which case you can actually make an argument that you're not, you're not just a derivative claimant, but you've actually suffered an injury related to your wife's injury. And that would be the one you just mentioned, right? Yes, exactly. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? Why not bring it forward? Well, correct? that's exactly it. And, and again, it goes back to the initial case that I had mentioned at the beginning of the show. And again, having worked for insurance companies in the past, Insurance defense lawyers, and a lot of them are my friends, and and I can tell you, I mean, they're very bright, very smart. Uh, They will look for every which way uh, not to pay a claim because they're protecting the insurance company. And and they love nothing more than not having to even argue about a specific expense because the lawyer representing the injured individual Didn't didn't bring it up. You'd be amazed how many times, John, that comes up. It's just, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Before we take a quick break, let me ask you this. And when you work for the insurance companies, what mistakes did you see personal injury lawyers make when dealing with doctors? Well, a lot of times I've seen uh, lawyers go head-to-head with their own uh, clients' doctors. And the problem is that that, uh, you know, would be by way of letters or notes where, where for whatever reason, lawyers became in a way, belligerent with the family doctors. I'm talking about the lawyers representing the injured individual. Right. Because the family doctor wouldn't write what, what, what the lawyer requested. And again, you know, lawyers have to abide by certain ethical uh, standards. You can't tell a doctor what to write. You can frame a question. You can ask the doctor to answer that particular question. I mean, that's, that's what we do as lawyers. We try to frame questions and get certain answers. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you can't, you can't twist the arm of a doctor. And the mistakes that I would see oftentimes is when lawyers uh, would be dealing with their own client's doctors in a way that would backfire. So, so now the family doctor is not interested in helping. And again, you as a client, you may not know that this is happening. All you know is that your lawyer is saying, well, your doctor doesn't want to write this report. And, and, you know, the insurance company is going to know. They're going to see that there is nothing positive coming from the treating physicians. And that's going to hurt the claim. That's not good. You don't no, want your lawyer not, not on you the gotta side treat doctors. Your... Yeah, you've yeah. got to treat doctors with respect. Uh, they're, they're highly skilled and, and trained individuals. And oftentimes, more often than not, they really do want to help, but they're doctors and not lawyers. So the lawyer has to understand how to guide, you know, the doctor to provide the report that they need. 416-870-6400. Still more to come here. And we'll uh, take a short break. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and bounce over to some of the emails next right here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show and Talk Radio AM 640. The email address, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is good, of course, for when we're off the air. And so is the number 416-216-5910. We'll get to an email, as I mentioned. Sean from Hamilton uh, writes into you. Savannah says, my father-in-law was hit from behind at an intersection a few months ago, 61 years old, and has had a lot of back and neck pain since the accident. He worked at Home Depot and went back to work uh, a week ago on modified duties at halftime. He uh, wanted me to call and find out if he can get help for compensation for his injuries and how much. 
Okay, well, the answer is 100% I can help him. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can help him both with respect to any benefits that he may be entitled to from his own insurance company as well as f- uh, uh, against the person who hit him from, from uh, uh, the back. Uh, and, you know, in terms of how much or how we assess the claims, so we've talked about that in, in previous shows. It, it's very fact-specific. And, you know, a lot of lawyers shy away from giving numbers. And to an extent... I, I, I do that as well, especially at the beginning of the claim. Uh, but, you know, I can give examples. So, for example, back pain, neck pain that's chronic as a result of a car accident, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to get assessed at forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. And, you know, again, it really depends. There is a deductible on that, uh, uh, so, so you get a bit less than that. But really, in these kinds of claims, the more important part uh, to look at is, uh, the income loss. I mean, if he's back now to to half capacity, I don't know how much he was making or how many hours really he was working or the rate. But you know, the 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 key thing here is that he's obviously losing income, and because he's sixty one years old, in these kinds of instances, when I deal with with individuals who are in their fifties, sixties, seventies, you know, and they haven't been able to go back to work full time, a lot of times you're dealing with something that's going to probably continue until their retirement. In fact. A lot of times you have these individuals retire early. Again, that has to be taken into account. If this person was making, let's say, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, and that person, instead of retiring at age 65, potentially could retire at age 64 mm-hmm. or 63, do the math. I mean, that's money that now he's not going to be able to bring home uh, to, to his family. And we don't know what his family situation is. So, so Sean, I, I, I can help your father-in-law. Just, just have him give me a call or you call me uh, after the show. It, it's not difficult, especially you're dealing with a re-rent collision. We're going to resolve this claim fairly quickly. This is really not a difficult case. 416-216-5910 is the number. Sean Emily from uh, Richmond Hill writes in at uh, help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Says my husband was shopping for groceries last weekend. Slipped on a messy floor in the vegetable section. Said uh, had to be taken to hospital by ambulance where they said he had a broken hip, broken right hip. Uh, he had surgery the next day. He's still in the hospital, and they're saying that it'll be a very, very long recovery. He's 67 years old, both retired, uh, don't have a driver's license, and I have to rely on my kids and grandkids to help me at home. Can they get any help? Oh, wow. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, first thing what we need to do is we need to make sure that this person, uh, you know, that, that, that she's getting the help that she needs. You know, and there's a variety of government agencies that, that can help out. And, you know, if the kids are help, the grandkids are helping, you know, we spoke about that in answer to a caller's question. Uh, you know, the kids, the grandkids, they can all get compensation for the extra things that they're doing now, uh, you know, at, at, at home, you know, to, to help uh, uh, this lady to, to to help Emily. Now, when we're dealing with a hip fracture, again, uh, I'm not sure how, how old. Oh, no, I think she said 67, 67 right. Yep. Okay, well, hip fracture in this at this age, it's, it's a big problem. He's going to have mobility issues in the future. I've seen those countless times, both as a defense lawyer and as a plaintiff lawyer. And, you know, he's potentially going to need further surgery in the future. Possibly we've, we've replacement. Seen, you got it. Yep. Now, hip, hip um, uh, injuries, uh, a fracture like this, will get assessed for pain and suffering at $90,000, dollars $100,000, $120,000 even, uh, just for the pain and suffering. But what about the future care this person may need? What about the household uh, type, uh, you know, type expenses that, they're, you know, that, that they're going to incur? So a claim like this, without knowing too many of the facts, assuming that the grocery store was responsible here, and again, we have to do an investigation, uh, you're probably looking at a resolution uh, you know, down the road of three, $400,000 wow. easy. Yeah, because, I mean, keep in mind, this person is going to have limitations for the rest of his life. It could, it could even be more. I mean, if the person now has complications, I've had a case once when I was a defense lawyer where a lady slipped and fell, 
and, and, and she had a very serious hip fracture. And then a few weeks later, she had to go back in because it was an infection. So they had to open her up uh, a, a, again. Uh, the insurance company I was representing uh, at that time, we ended up resolving that claim for about half a million dollars, John. And this lady wasn't working at the time. So just imagine uh, how you can build up the case if you, if you do it correctly. So, yeah. so, again, these kinds of injuries, these kinds of fractures, particularly when you're older, very, very serious. You have to make sure you account for all the damages, for all the injuries, for all the expenses. We've got about a minute left here. Let me ask you this one question. We talk a lot about personal injury and car-on-car collision. How about if a pedestrian's hit? Like, who's at fault, and can, can the pedestrian be compensated uh, for her injuries or his injuries? The answer is yes. And, and as to who's at fault, that's a very interesting question because that happens a lot, especially, I think, in the last year or two, we've heard a lot of pedestrian uh, versus car yep. uh, accidents in Toronto. And, and, you know, in a car accident situation, if you are the one who was injured and it was somebody else's fault, you still have to allege that the other person was negligent. You have to prove it. Well, for example, if you were hit from behind, it's not going to be difficult to prove. I mean, the person should have kept their distance. But what happens in a pedestrian situation? If you're a pedestrian and you're hit, do you have to prove that the driver was negligent? No. The law actually creates a rev- the law created a reversed onus. Uh, what, what does that mean? It means that as a driver, you have to show that you were not negligent. Oh. So if you're a pedestrian and you were hit by a car, the law assumes that you were not the negligent party. Right. And you can get compensation for your injuries from the driver who hit you. We'll wrap it for another week, my friend. Outside of show hours, you can contact Savan. Please do, 416-216-5910. And the email, help at the insurance lawyer.say. We'll do it all again next week right here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM 640.